Welcome to Modern Day Missionaries, a podcast by Modern Day Missions created for missionaries by missionaries. I'm your host, Stephanie Gutierrez. Whether you're getting ready to transition from the mission field or to it, you'll love hearing from father and daughter Nathan and Zoe Grahams. As an MK and then missionary himself, Nathan has transitioned between countries many times, and he's learned a lot along the way. Hear him and Zoe share what things are most essential for any person or family determined to transition well. Welcome to this episode of the Modern Day Missionaries podcast. Today in the virtual studio, we have with us Nathan Grahams and his daughter, Zoe. Hey, guys. It's great to be with you guys. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And love being able to connect with the community of missionaries. This is exciting for us. Yes, this is your story, and we're going to get into that. So Nathan is the executive pastor at Emanuel Christian Center in Minnesota, and his beautiful wife, my friend Analia, and, and his two amazing kids, Santiago and Zoe, who's here today with us, they've all lived on two continents and served as missionaries in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And we've been talking, Nathan, you and Analia have made the move back and forth to Argentina more than once. We, Analia is actually from Buenos Aires. I grew up as a missionary kid in Argentina. And so it was, uh, even though I was a baby when we got there, probably under two years old, lived there till I was 25, did my undergrad and everything there, met Alia there, got married. Two years into our, our marriage is when we moved to the Twin Cities. So it was kind of, kind of a, you know, she's coming to Minnesota as a, as a missionary, as a transplant. <laughs> I had been here over the years visiting with my folks when they were fundraising and everything. And then we went back down to Argentina as missionary associates for a few years and then with our kids and then moved back to the U.S. for our, our current assignment now. So, I mean, it's, it's been back and forth for a few times. Yeah. So, you know, transitions. This is this is your jam. You've done this more than once. And like you said, yes. with Analia, you guys are in a cross-cultural marriage. So she's Argentinian. Mm-hmm. So when you're moving, quote, home, which I mean, you really lived the majority of your growing up years in Argentina, but home, I guess if we want to say passport country, it's also complicated, right? When you've grown up in different countries, but so so you're going back and forth with those two dynamics. So, and that's what we're really going to get into today um, is we're going to be talking about transitioning back home. And we put that in quotes because what does home mean? I mean, it's everybody listening knows home is so relative when you've lived overseas, but what is that like to, to move back home, how to do that well, what are those transitions back and forth between countries look like as a family and how do you do it well? And that's what I'm excited Zoe's here with us too, because we get to pull on both of your perspectives. We get to hear dad perspective, daughter perspective, some of the things that you guys have gone together as a, through together as a family. And you guys have served as missionaries. You've served as pastors and teachers mm-hmm. at Bible school. You've experienced different cultures and really different struggles in each of these seasons of change. Yeah. Fun challenges. And we were, and we were saying, <laughs> Zoe... You're a fourth generation missionary kid. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. So missions is the name of the game with you guys. It's it's a it's mm-hmm. a big value to you all. It's it's a part of the fabric of your family and your story. And so you all have a lot to share. So this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. And we've just enjoyed getting to know you guys as friends, now being a part yep. of the same congregation. I am grateful. I'm grateful. Grateful, so, honored, excited to be with you today. Thank you. This is going to be fun. And so before we get into this conversation, I'm going to throw a couple of get to know you questions your way. 
And we're going to put a twist on this. You guys get to answer it for each other. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Watch Nathan, out, I'll man. ask you first. Yes. What is one thing that you and Zoe really connect over or enjoy doing together? Oh, so it's the four of us at, at home. It's Analia and, and uh, it's my wife. And then Santiago is our son. He's in his first year in college. And then myself and, and Zoe. Zoe and I tend to be a lot more similar in personality. Yes. And so we enjoy a lot of different things. Uh, we, we can communicate telepathically pretty easily. And then my son and my wife are, are like a clone. So it's fun. It's fun that way. Yeah. We, I mean, we enjoy anything from walks, talking to sometimes cooking together, to watching movies or series together, to just quality time. It's kind of yeah. a big, that's one of our, probably a top love language. And we, the two of us need a little bit of margin to recharge. So we got to have <laughs> kind of that little bit of an introvert side, very social, but we need a little space. Mom and, and son, they don't, they go, just go, feed go. up they're, We say they're like hummingbirds. They just kind of feed off just being hyper social all the time. So that's, yeah, we enjoy, we really enjoy hanging out. So if we need to go and do some grocery shopping, I mean, it's never like, uh, oh, I got to go with you or at least you're pretend to like really well but i enjoy being with you and i it, it seems like you kind of enjoy being with me so we <laughs> yeah, like so it you guys run at a similar pace it sounds like yes mm -hmm. yep yep i would true. say for me and you yeah it's like going on walks together spending mm -hmm. time for sure mm -hmm. one thing that we like to do is he likes to teach me like new things and i like i That's love great. being interested in like yeah. Just right. like I learned how to mow the lawn or right. like grill. It's a win win. That's awesome. And change the car battery before <laughs> I could drive. <laughs> yes, you learn how to change out the car battery too. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this. Want to learn how to do it? And she's <laughs> like, yeah, I'd love to. Um, which is unique to her, my son, not so much. <laughs> yeah. But another thing is we connect in music too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like I think quality time is for sure a big mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And on yeah, that I note, so yeah, you're on the worship team at church and you do a beautiful job. It's fun seeing you really flourish in a role that God's clearly placed you in. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Okay, yeah. here is another one for you guys. And you guys can, again, answer this about each other. So Nathan, what is one thing that you really admire about Zoe? And Zoe, what's one thing you really admire about your dad? I really admire her heart uh, for God and her heart for people. She's got it. She's a, she worships, but she's a worshiper. So she's not just in the learning the mechanics of that or playing keys or singing, but it's part of who she is and, and she'll do it when no one's watching. So, I mean, it's, she's got a really beautiful relationship with God. And then she's got a great heart for people too. She's, she's very, she notices people. She's an includer. She's warm. She's caring. Um, she's a great friend to her friends and, and yeah, she's loving. So, I mean, can't, can't get much better than that. So <laughs> grateful for her and admire that about her. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I would say for you, I admire a lot of the things you said, like I've learned from like you and mom watching you guys and like the way you guys love others and show God's love to them. Like, cause you're a pastor, you practice your preachings too. Mm -hmm. You're not only saying it in like a, this is what you should do. It's what you've learned from life. And just like, I don't know, I really admire 
the way you lead others too. And then the way you also are attentive to even like small details. So like you make sure everyone feels seen and everyone feels appreciated too, um, which I try to um, reflect. Means a lot better we're recording with. <laughs> I know. This is now public for anyone to hear. Which is <laughs> great. Yeah. Well, and as we begin to, you know, there's one more question I want to ask you guys that I do love asking. Nathan, I am positive you have an answer to this one because I know you well enough to know this is your jam. What is a book that you're currently reading or you've read lately that you've really enjoyed? The one that I just revisited that I, it, it's fun to kind of revisit some of the classics, right? And Ordering Your Private World by Gordon McDonald was, was great. I did that over the summer and then just kind of did a personal inventory I think at this stage, I'm, I'm just really committed to keeping a growth mindset and not, not just coasting or, you know, leaning on whatever I've learned in the past, but, you know, really monitoring and uh, cultivating what's happening inside the soul and not just the skills for whatever responsibility or assignment I have. So that was great. So that's a, that's the, a really recent one that I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. It's fun to reread something you haven't read in a long time. Mm-hmm. You just get brand new things out of it and see it in a different light. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And so how about you? Do you have any books that you've enjoyed reading or podcasts uh, or resources that have stood out to you? Well, I'm not much of a reader, but I have for sure listened to some podcasts, especially like some. I love hearing like what my dad recommends me to. I have like a, yeah. like a list. I started one that another friend recommended me called Forgiveness, the one by Sadie Robinson. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's really, I, I, I really like it. I'm enjoying it so far. It's great. But yeah, that's Love awesome. It. I've heard really good things about her. That's very cool. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. So good. Okay. So I want to dig into your guys' story a little bit. And Nathan, you briefly touched on it at the beginning, but how many times have you moved back and forth? I was trying to count as you were talking. How many times have you made that move? So as a missionary kid, you know, I was born in Wisconsin and uh-huh. then my parents felt the call to go down to Argentina as missionaries. So they stopped in Costa Rica for language school for my mom. So my dad was a missionary kid too, born in Bolivia. They met at college and then they came, uh, you know, they met at North Central University here in the Twin Cities. And then they pastored in Menominee, Wisconsin for a little bit. And then they went down to Costa Rica for language school. Like I said, my mom is from small town, Wisconsin, a little town called Alma Center with 416 inhabitants. That's one, one sign going in. If you come in from the other direction, it's like 490, but it's, it's small, under 500 people. And she hadn't been out of the state of Wisconsin until she was 18 when she went to college. And so then they go to a city of probably at that point was like 11 million people. Uh, It was a huge culture shock for her. I was two. My sister was just born. And then, you know, we came. So I was the first move. Then we had within our our missions organization, uh, Assemblies of God World Missions, we had every four years, we had our furlough or itinerating and visiting churches. So we do that for a year or nine months or six months. So I came back, I did in the Twin Cities. We always lived here. I, I did my kindergarten here. I did my fifth grade here, my junior year in high school here. 
and then came with them once while I was in college over the summer and, um, and then ended up, you know, doing my undergrad and getting established and, and getting married down there. So moved um, on my own for, for studies. So it just spent a lot of back and forth. Then when we got married, the two of us came up and thought we would be here for two years, ended up being here eight years, had two kids, Zoe and Santiago. <laughs> then felt like there was still a pending assignment to go down to Argentina. So we raised funds and did the whole missions path and went down to Argentina. And so that would be move number two. And, you know, we owned a home here and, and everything, but we you know, just got, gave stuff away, sold stuff. Fun, fun aspect of that. We heard of a, a shipment container that was going down to one of Aires, And so we were able to use about 20% of it to send down a lot of uh, kitchen utensils. And it was, it was 2010. So the world cup was going to, was going to be happening. And uh, so I had a, a, a large flat screen TV, which is, you know, and, a, and it was multi-zone. You're going to use it in, in different, different hemisphere. And so we got it all this in package and sent down and it got stuck in, in the whole red tape and bureaucracy of customs. And so for over two years that was stuck. And then we got access to it a week before we were moving back to the U S and so, <laughs> so when you move, you realize how much junk you've accumulated over the years. And then when you move, you also, you learn how to be a little more portable, just, you know, how to, how to release things and let go of things, mm -hmm. hopefully. And, um, you know, I move my books back and forth. I've gone pretty much digital at this point, but it's so hard to, you know, move with them. And then we were in Argentina for a couple of years, came back and, and this is where we are. I don't, I don't anticipate that we have another. Uh, large move ahead of us, but we have started pretty much from scratch about three times and that, uh, that I did it as a kid. And then twice we did it with our kids too. So a lot of, lot of back and forth, a lot of great decisions that helps that process. And then hindsight, some lessons that we learned and, you know, things that yeah. we, we can improve at for sure. You know, if we had to do it again, there's some things that we do it differently. Yeah. So, and what were some of the route. things? That was the scenic, scenic route. That was a yes. That was pretty good. That was you, yes. that was a so, pretty good well, summary. There we go. So I like how you uh, said three times starting from scratch because yes. that's real. I mean, yes. I was I remember talking to a family once when we had first moved down to Peru, and you know, when you first make the move to become a missionary, you leave things behind and you cry, and but there's excitement because you're doing it for the Lord, and you know. And you feel like you don't need as much when you're overseas. But then when you go back, I remember talking to a couple who moved back and I was like, how was it? Because they had been friends of ours in Peru. And they're like, it's the worst because we're 40 and we're buying silverware. And yeah. <laughs> they're like, we already did this twice. We True. did it when we got married. We I'm did already, it when we moved abroad. Already I don't want to do it again. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. You know, all the, all the basic things from furnishings, from home, figuring out where you're going to live. You know, you learn that God is always faithful. He'll always find a way to provide. And you learn that God's family is, is amazing. And that, you know, he will usually use them and he'll provide through God's family. Not always the way the, or the people that you expect. A lot of times he'll it's use true. unexpected means to provide. And then you learn that 
you know, what, what really is important or indispensable or essential and what things can you do without, you know, it's, it's been fun to be on that learning journey with our kids too. And, you know, you can move within the same city and you're, you get, you know, storage pot or you got like a U-Haul that you rent. And so it's different. You're not, you're not letting go. And then you're not shifting cultures too. Um, there's a lot of intimidating factors or layers when you're going to a new setting or the counterculture impact when you're coming back years after leaving what was familiar and what you feel like was home turf. And then it's, and then it's different. You know, I remember as a kid, my folks having to kind of upgrade their, their street smarts whenever we came back to the Twin Cities, like having, you know, in Argentina, we get, you got spoiled because you'd have people that would be at the gas station. They'd fill the tank for you. And then my folks came back one of the times and all the pumps were, they were, you had to use your card at the pump and, and they weren't used to that. And it just, and the pressure and you got a line behind you and it just, you feel like, I don't want to ask, I don't want to feel stupid, but I don't know how to do this. And so it just, there's all these little things that can become little, little tensions and pressures that way. But, but through it, I mean, I think you gain way more than, than, than you lose in experience. Yeah. And so, and someone, one of the missionaries that we mentors of ours early on said, you know what? Kids are more portable than you would imagine. And a lot of times we overthink and stress on their behalf and, and they actually, they'll learn the language quicker. They'll make friends quicker. They'll, you know, adapt quicker. And we're the, we're the ones projecting our own anxieties or our own fears onto them and, and they actually do great, you know, so they're an inspiration to us. So, yeah. Well, and speaking of Zoe, what kind of memories do you have of moving back to the state? Some of the things that were maybe challenging for you or, or that stood out to you? I was always like nervous that, I don't know, like I would be more timid at first, but I guess the making friends was scary, but it wasn't a problem though, you know? Because it, it eventually go to school and like you make interactions, you connect. And it's just like after that, you have, especially at like a young age, you have a best friend, you know, all of a sudden. But I would say one thing about like starting over, like things like that is with just like my parents made sure that they surrounded us with people that were loving, people that were supporting, people that were Christian and like half the people were kind of going through not like the same exact thing, but they were also like kind of new to Minnesota in a way sometimes, or like, I don't know, like connections we've made at church. And like, I am still like friends with a lot of those people because we've made our own family here in a way. When, when you're far from your extended family, you know, a lot of times a family that God gives you is, is our, it's the friends and, and the family of God, it's yeah. the church. And that's who you do. Remember like some of the traditions, like New Year's is a big deal in Argentina. Like it's, it's as big as Christmas and you go on, there's fireworks all over the city. And, <laughs> and the first New Year's that we were here, you guys weren't born yet, but he told me this story. The, 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 just Ali and I spent that New Year's together and it's winter. And everyone watches the ball. Eastern time zone midnight. And then they, and then they turn off the TV and they go to bed before midnight. And, you know, <laughs> Argentina, it's a late night culture. And so 
it, that was one of the most disappointing, sad nights in my wife's uh, whole life. And I said, oh, well, I mean, we're yes. together. We're together. Is that not, you know, enough? Is it not important? And she's like, no, I'm never, we're never doing this again. And so if, <laughs> for us, New Year's, Turkey, we, we've had a party every, every year, even if it, you know, in the middle of snow and winter and, and we'll do some, you know, like a little bit of fireworks and we'll stay up all night. And so you, you find your family and create your family where yes. you're at. Um, so you oh can get God. stuck missing or nostalgia, or you can be mm-hmm. proactive and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to mix things up and I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this. So yeah, it's been kind of our, our approach. So we've had some lifelong friends up. that we've made. Yep. Yeah. Mix up the cultures, mix up the experience. I, Zoe, you kind of alluded to that, that you guys found other people who had also moved to Minnesota in more recent years. So you guys made friends, it sounds like, with maybe native Minnesotans who were raised here, but also with other people who've moved from Latin American cultures who mm-hmm. yeah. shared some language or some cultural things. A lot of Argentinians I know at church as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who yeah. probably also were missing their culture. So what was that like um, intentionally finding friends who you could share some of those experiences with? Well, like my dad was saying, it was like cool to have people that shared the same kind of like culture in a way because it's like we're all kind of missing a little like glimpse of home you know like especially when it comes to those times like probably for my mom it was hard because she was so used to like the big party and then all of a sudden it was just my dad (laughs) which i mean i mean you're real party hardy nathan but it's just cool to like grow with them too and also like adapting with them and like um, just keeping a little bit of home i think you know, and I think common common ground or cultural yeah. things. So some of the foods or meals or traditions or watching soccer games together, you know. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yes. Any excuse is a great excuse. Carrying it back into earlier in my story, my mom lived the flip side of that, being in, in Argentina. Oh. And so she missed, you know, it's Southern Hemisphere. Christmas happens during summer. And so it's, yeah. you know, it's 100 degrees out. It's, you know, everyone's in flip-flops and it just, you know, decorating a tree kind of is a big deal. It really isn't, you know, now it is a little more, but Thanksgiving doesn't exist down there as a holiday. And so we always found um, expats or or friends and family that we could celebrate those key moments like Thanksgiving. We always celebrated Thanksgiving. And either with, you know, other missionary families, not necessarily the same organization, it might be, we knew of students, you know, single students that were studying down there, they were doing internships and we would, and we turned our home into that environment where we could celebrate Thanksgiving together. Yeah. So we always, turkeys are smaller down there. So it was always a challenge. You can't get cranberry sauce. And so, I mean, there's a lot of the things that, you know, whenever... A, a mission team was coming down. That's what she would ask. She would bring me some canned cranberry sauce, you know, and she'd save it until Thanksgiving. But it's, you can either, you can either get stuck planning and nostalgic and missing and, and feeling like you're missing out, or you can kind of create yes. with the ingredients you have at hand and the people you have at hand, yes. create new traditions. And so I, I love that my folks modeled that. And then for us, I mean, even, you know, Christmas during winter is, was foreign to me for a while. <laughs> and, uh, 
it now it's, you know, we're used to it. We're great with it, but it, it helped us. It prepared us for the bridge of being able to connect with culture whenever we came back. So it wasn't, not everything was completely new. There was some elements that were familiar too. Yeah. I think oftentimes we're proactive when we move to another country about seeking out American traditions or other expat friends who we can share that with. But then after we lived in that other country, when we come back to a passport country, if that's somebody's situation, we don't often do the same thing. Like I remember we got so used to, you know, fireworks on Christmas Eve. And I'm sorry, you just can't replicate that here. Like that's not going to no. happen. You know, that's that's no. done. That's that's died. But yeah. like we miss that or you miss certain foods or you miss certain customs. And I don't know if often we think when I move back to my passport country, I should also seek out people who yeah. maybe lived in that country or who share some similar experiences. It just kind of feels like, oh, well, I guess I'm back home again in quotation marks because what is home? But we tend to just kind of fall back into old patterns or maybe get together with family where we were before or we don't know what to do. And it feels lonely because mm. we don't have the familiarity of what it used to be because we lost that. And yeah. then we don't have the newness of what we had picked up and become a, a new custom or a new routine. Yep. Yeah. So this is yep. beautiful. So seek seek out those people when you move abroad, but also seek out those kind of friends when you move back so you can speak the language again, oh, so you can eat the food again. So you had mentioned earlier, Nathan, there were some things that you felt really good about the way you transitioned and then some things you would have done differently. Obviously, one thing you did well is what we just talked about, seeking out people who you can continue some of those customs, um, celebrations with to, to make life fun and a little bit more familiar when you moved back. What were some of the other things that really helped you guys transition as a family? The ongoing conversation and framework that we're a team. As a family, this is not, I guess it, it, you know, there's, there's probably some overlap and not, and probably more differences than, than overlap. If you're a military brat, you're, you're bouncing all over the world because of your mom or your dad's assignment and it, and you just, your ministry, we frame it differently. We say this is, yeah. there's an equal call of God on each and every one of us. Seriously. And so, you know, whatever the season, however old I am, mean, if you're five years old, there's God's got, you know, his hand on your life and he's got a purpose and there's, and there's friends to be made that are going to enrich your life and you're going to enrich their lives too. Yeah. And so we've always, always kept that at the forefront. I think the, the, the ongoing conversation has been huge for us. I, I discovered a parenting hack that I don't think is limited to us and our experience or our audience today. But some of the best conversations I've had with my kids is when we go for a walk and mm -hmm. either devices are either left behind or they're in a pocket, but we get to, we get to, on a, you know, there's a lot of lakes in Minnesota. So we'll go and, and do a, a walk and it, and I'm going to show you some of my tricks here, but so if there's a topic I need to confront them on or correct them on, I would usually <laughs> do it halfway, halfway around the lake so they can't go anywhere. They got to, you know, I'll bring it up halfway around and we've got to talk about it. By the time we get back home, we're, we're on the same page. And, and, and so we've cultivated that, that, you know, that way of communicating, but you know, we've got a principle. You can ask me anything you want and I will always answer with the truth. And, and so there's, and it goes both ways. 
And so we've uh, really cultivated that open communication and honest and yeah. And so it's it's been it's it's been good because it's helped us to process frustrations or anxieties or you know going to a new school. Santi, you know, was eight when we came back from Argentina to the Twin Cities. He had completely forgotten his English, and so then he had to you know go into a new school and he's starting. He was already halfway through second grade, but because of the school calendar year, he's having to start second grade again. And then we, you know, he goes and tests his language skills and he didn't test great. And so then he had to stick to like two or three different ESL English as a second language options. And, and so he, that was a hard season for him. And then when he, he caught it real quick, he was back, back into being fluent in a couple months, but then he got bored and then he started getting into trouble. And so um, it was, that was a hard season. Then he changed to another school. Then he changed to, you know, so changes like that are not easy. I mean, kids adapt a lot quicker than adults do, uh, but it doesn't make it easier. Mm -hmm. And if they're able to see life in the context of purpose and calling and, and, you know, we're in this together and God's got a plan and, and just enjoy the journey, you know, where we're at, you know, live, live it to the fullest. And also it's been good. Like knowing, like as the kid, you know, knowing that you can rely on your parents and like they can rely on you, you know, mm-hmm. like how my dad is saying, like, ask me anything and I'll answer with the truth. And it goes for both ways. It's just like knowing that like it's a safe space, like we're in like the same page, like no one will understand you more than your parents. It's a teenager saying that, which is, it's a miracle. It's recorded. Yeah. (laughs) Zoe just turned 16 Saturday. So, um, but we, we had a really good open communication. And it's like, and another thing is like, one thing that my parents would always tell me is that we're all placed here on this earth. And like God, it was on purpose. He made us as a team on purpose to grow from each other, to learn from each other, to also like, rely on each other and also as parents like they want what's best for you like they you know and so it's like good to like always be open with them and like also like they want to be a part and sometimes you don't always agree with everything we say you know you're not excited about it but we can (laughs) we can have a conversation throughout it too so one thing i remember from moving back and my mom was just reminding me of it because i don't know like we were just talking about it and I realized it again, just looking back. And it was that my mom, because it was harder for her moving back because it was like the language barrier. She wasn't like as involved in church as she was like in Argentina. Like she didn't know like ways to help out, just things like that, you know. And like my dad was at work and she was just at home. But one thing that she like dedicated most was instead of like pursuing ministry at a church, she decided that me and Santi would be her ministry. That she would, like in the same way she would pour out to people um, in Argentina, she would do that into me and Santi. Mm-hmm. And like she would just, like one thing that my mom and my dad would have us do, and like we still do it to this day, is we at night pray together and we pray for each other. Like ever since I was little, like me and Santi would pray for my parents and like they'd pray for us. Um, just like another example of just like loving on each other and like being there for each other mm-hmm. in it. And like, I don't know, like I, like, I think that helped me also grow 
in so many ways. And like, even like my mom choosing to dedicate time to pour into us, especially when it comes to faith, you know, that made an impact on me. So, yeah. Mm. Well, I I really love that you shared that because what I, I kind of hear coming out of what you're saying is that your mom and your dad really created stability and some safety for you guys. There were some things that they did, who they were didn't change no matter where you lived. You still prayed, whether you were here or there, they were still honest with you and you could ask them anything, whether you were here or whether you were there. And when everything else in life is changing, when you see your parents be dependable and steady and stay the same people, even as you know, they're changing and you're changing. There's certain things you can count yeah. on. I bet that had to have been really helpful for you guys. Yeah. Like change in itself, like since you're going through it, like as a family, it like grows you together in a way. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can, it's an opportunity for you. Yeah. It can, yeah. It's not easy. And a lot of people resent change, but I mean, it's, it, it's a big part of life. And it's an opportunity for growth. So my, I happen to be married to the most optimistic human being in the world. So, um, it's always, you know, so you're saying there's a chance, right? And the glass is half full always, but, and that's just, that's the tone of our, of our, our home. It's finding the opportunity and finding the, the silver lining and, yeah, and being honest about what's hard. You know, one thing I do hindsight regret in one of the years that we were in Argentina, uh, Shanti got bullied at, at school in a really intense way. And we didn't find out until we had moved back to the U.S. And he was processing going through stuff. And, and that, was a, that, was a really, that, was, that was a really hurtful and, and frustrating uh, realization that we had been so caught up on other, in other things that we hadn't paid close enough attention and maybe had the the amount of deep conversations that we needed to have. I think those were that's some of what prompted us to really uh, be intentional, lean into in, in that really strengthening our conversation. And he studies at, and lives on on campus at a at a university here in the cities. And as much as we're able to, he and I will have coffee or lunch or breakfast uh, once a week. And so it's yeah. just kind of a ongoing. Um, just place of connection and we can, I mean, we can talk about whatever, um, but we know that we're going to have that, that moment to, to connect and talk. So it's, it, it is a value that, you know, it's like you said, it, it, it doesn't, it's not contingent on whatever your context is. It goes with you. It's portable. Yes. You know, what's refreshing about your family is how much you talk about relationship because of how much you do relationship. I think sometimes people in ministry, whether it's missions work, especially here in the States, you see people get so immersed in ministry that their relationships with their family suffer, their friendships suffer, and they really kind of become isolated. And I think there is something about living abroad. I, I feel like in so many other countries, relationships, like you can't live without them. You have to get together with yes. your friends and you have to be with your family. That's just what you do. I don't want to generalize. It's you know not all countries, but certainly Latin America. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yep. I can speak to that. And so it sounds like that's something that's really been a part of your family that you brought back with. So even though you guys are currently in ministry, you're still carving out time for your family on a regular basis Mm -hmm. to nurture those relationships. You're still getting together with friends. I think if you're going to transition and you try and do it without strong family relationships or strong friendships, 
I don't know how anybody does it. And I'm wondering, so I'm thinking of like somebody who's maybe transitioning back to their passport country and maybe they're moving back to a new place where they don't have a lot of friends. And I know for you guys, when you came back, there was some familiarity, but how did you go about making some of those new relationships or finding new friends? You can find them if you're looking for them. Yes. And you're praying for them. Yeah. So I, th- I really do believe that God, I mean, he orchestrates a lot of those, those connections. Yeah. And then we really do believe that wherever we're at, we're part of, we're part of a local body or a local church. And, and so we, and we, and we talked about that even, you know, with the new season with a kid in college now, Hey, you're still a member of a local body. Yeah. There's still a lot that you can contribute and a lot that you can gain from being connected. It's so easy to, to, to drift into disconnection, especially if you're in a, in a season that's going to be temporary and you're like, well, we're not going to be here for so long. So why, why put the effort in? Uh, that was my. My junior year when we came to the Twin Cities, that was my, my mindset. I was, I, I really resented being in the U.S. I wanted to be back and with my friends and go to school there. And we were here for over a year. And for the first half, I was just, I, I was, I was like a living in a ongoing protest against being here, you know, and, and just like, this is stupid. Why am I even going to make friends if I'm not going to see him again? But there was a, a shift that happened and uh, I think God you know, change something and challenge me. Yeah. And in the last half of that season, I was open to, to noticing the people around me. And I made some great friends from the youth group that I was a part of that are still friends mm-hmm. of mine to this day. And so when you hold back or you don't invest or you feel like, uh, this is just going to be a season, I don't need it. Or you only, you know, now we have technology where we can, we can stay communicated ongoing with with people, friends from wherever in the world, but that could prevent you from noticing the people in yeah. your current context. And, um, you, you miss out and they miss out. And yeah. so we really were always mindful of that. And, and I mean, we're, you know, as time goes on, you're like, okay, I've, I've, my roster for friendship is pretty full. I don't need any new friends. And the reality is there's always great people to, yeah. to meet and discover. And so you're not going to have, 500 super deep friends. Yes. But, you know, you do discover new friendships that God providentially puts in your path. So yeah. uh, if you're looking right. for it, you're praying for it, you notice it. Uh, I, as a teenager, I resisted it and then had a, a shift in my perspective and I saw the, you know, the benefit of it. So, yeah. you know, however long you're, you are where you are, that's where God placed you. That's a, Put some roots yeah. down you know, and, and make some connections with people. And who knows? I mean, you might make some lifelong friends or you might at the very least be enriched by them and you get an opportunity to, uh, you know, to contribute to them too. So it's a, yeah. a perspective thing for sure. Yeah. I was going to kind of go off that, but then <laughs> I said, I kind of said it is what I was going to say. <laughs> say it in your great minds think alike. No, but yeah, just, being able to step out of your comfort zone, um, allowing yourself to make friends, like are you're saying, yeah. and like believing that God placed you where you are for a reason, no matter if it's high yeah. sport country or, you know. Or new assignment. Or yeah, new at. assignment, seriously. And it's a risk. It really yes. is a risk, you know, because you're putting yourself out and you might not be 
uh, valued or listened to or validated or, you know, whatever it is. But in that effort, you're always going to find someone. Yeah. So God will always bring someone into the picture that that is a gift to that mm-hmm. season or for a lifelong gift, you know, so. And totally you never agree. know if like you, you were placed there to impact someone's life. And right. like you said, like it might've been the missed opportunity if you didn't allow yourself to step out and. It, it's, you know, it's so important to be grateful. Yes. Um, but it's so dangerous to be nostalgic because um, again, it can prevent you from really living today fully and noticing the opportunities that are around you today. So that's good. It's yeah, it's I'm oh sure like it. Yeah. Um, that was well yeah. said because otherwise we can get, I think, like what you said, Nathan, we can get stubborn and just kind of resistant, especially those of us who are introverts, no matter how social we are, there's just something about when you don't want to be there and you want to be where you were before. I know a lot of people came back to passport countries, especially with this last wave of COVID, not wanting to. It wasn't like I want to move back or my season's done. It was like they got ripped out from where they were. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I lived that way my first year here. I, I was, I wanted to go back. I was angry and I resisted it. And I remember saying very foolish things like, I have enough friends. I don't need any more. But the ones that I wanted to really be with, I mean, I, we had some great friends here who we've known for yeah. years, but yeah. I, I missed my friendships from Peru, from where we were. And I'm like, my friend's card full, is full. I, I I can't make new ones. I can keep the ones I already have here, but I can't make any new ones. And I had that closed position. And I remember um, my mom was so good to just, she's like, I, I feel like these two people would be really good friends. She actually identified three friends. She knows me so well. She's like, they would be really good friends. And I was like, I don't think I have the threshold to do this. I'm grieving. Like, I want to, yeah. everything yeah. that comes with that. And those Three new friendships have become some of the richest, oh, best awesome. friends. And I and had I not opened myself up to it, I think we got to open ourselves up to it. And sometimes you got to yep. hunt them down. I mean, I'm grateful I had a mom yes. who found me friends. I mean, I'm, yeah. I guess I'm yeah. your mom still knows what she's talking about. Yeah. How old you get? Mom you, know, you got a good mom. mom. But you got to yes. work for it. I mean, I know people who've been in spots and they they can't seem to find friends, and they they have to work. You have to yes. seek them yes. out, and it just feels like mm-hmm. how how can I do this? I'm so exhausted. I don't have the time and space for it, but the amount of joy and energy that those friends bring you is so worth any type of effort that you have to put in. But it is, it's a willingness to just pound the ground until you find them sometimes. There was a really helpful uh, teaching we got from one of our counselor, my wife and I went and uh, Leo was frustrated. She's, you know, she's like, you know, I want, I want friends that'll correspond at the same level. She's, she's the friendliest <laughs> person you can find, but she's, so the counselor said, you know, if you find five deep friendships throughout your lifetime, you are blessed. You've got more than most of the world does. And yeah. so what he said is in your pursuit of friendships, pause and listen. And he said, wow. if you're, if you're going, you're up at the surface, you know, how's the weather and how about the bike games and too bad the Broncos beat them at last minute, whatever. <laughs> and then you go like, Hey, you know what happened the other day that really hurt me. And then you go deeper and then, and he says, pause and listen. If, if they're willing to go deeper, they'll let you know. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, tell me about that. Or yeah, that's similar to what happened to me. But if they stay up here, they'll let you know too that they're not, maybe they, they don't feel safe or maybe they don't have the bandwidth to, yeah. 
to, or they don't know how to support you. And, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, but that weather, man, it's crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's like, it's going to snow or something coming week. So if they stay up here, just learn to adapt your expectations and keep it yeah. as a friendship. Don't discard them or like resent them. Keep it up here. Enjoy what you can. Yeah. But you'll find the deeper friendships. If you pause and listen, they'll correspond. And, and yeah. that's been a, and so it's been kind of a family learning that we've referenced, you know, or like, Hey, yes. did they want to go that deep levels. or did you? And so we'll do this little thing with our hands too, oh, but so it is, it's, you're putting yourself out there and you're, it, there's a risk, there's a vulnerability. Not everyone can appreciate what you lived overseas and, and, and they might not be as passionate about it as you are. And that's why it is important to find people that, you know, expats from that other country yeah, that you can do meals with once in a while or share some other things and, and keep that alive. And then, I mean, there are, there are other things that we can share, you know, yeah. it's, that's a big part of our identity, but it's not the whole of it. Well, and I'm glad keeping ourselves open. This is how we all became friends. Otherwise we wouldn't exactly. have gotten to know each other. So there we 100%, go. hundred percent. You guys came over to watch a soccer game. That was how it all started. So, yes. Yeah. God knew exactly what he was doing. So I'm so glad that we all didn't have our, you never can really close your heart off no. because you never know what God's going to do no. with your relationships and friendships. Yeah. Well, any closing words that you would like to leave the missionaries with just things that you feel like would be helpful? I would just say, bless the season you're in. It, there's always purpose in whatever season you're in. And, and, uh, when you begin to bless it and you begin to, uh, to, see God's purpose in it, then you're able to enjoy it and embrace it. And that's something God had to really work in my heart too. And and if you're always living, hoping for the day, you didn't need to count down until you move back or you are stuck in, in memories, uh, you're gonna, you're just going to miss what, what God has prepared for, for the present. And so there's just something so important about blessing. It's kind of like you're Jeremiah 29, like, okay, yeah. you know, I know the plans I have for you. There's a hope in the future. But today, build homes, plant vineyards, have kids, you know, have grandkids. And so don't hold back from the setting where God has you today. There's purpose in that too. Yeah. I'll quote you on what you said before because it stuck out to me, but it's to not, it was the being nostalgic can be a dangerous thing. Yeah. So be grateful, but not nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. And just to live in gratitude because that's something that I've learned from you guys to always be grateful in every season, in every storm, in every good. highs and every lows. We're grateful for you. Yeah, I'm grateful for you. Grateful <laughs> for this conversation. Yeah. Too. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so Same much. Here. Oh my goodness. Thank you both. Zoe and Ethan. It's been so fun having you both. Just I enjoyed this personally. And I feel grateful that everybody else gets to listen in on the conversation we had. Thank and I, I really know it's going to be encouraging to people and all the different transitions they're in. So appreciate you both. Love it. Thank you so Thank much. You. Appreciate it. Thank you. And for everybody else who's listening, we will look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Since 2008, Modern Day Missions has been providing financial, administrative, and marketing services to Christian missionaries around the globe. We're currently partnered with more than 750 missionaries in 75 different nations. If you or someone you know are looking for a nonprofit covering to fulfill your mission's vision, Modern Day could be the answer you're looking for. Find out more at modernday.org.